Hey, uh, I'm excited about this new series, Breaking Point, and I just believe God is going to meet us in a special way as we uh, open his scriptures in this series. And my hope is that as we walk through the teaching today and the beginning parts of this series, that you're going to realize, okay, there's somebody in my life that needs this. And so uh, we do have this little uh, invite card. Uh, We have them just outside the auditoriums. And so on your way out, if this will help you invite somebody that needs to be here, grab one. We would love uh, for that person in your life to participate in this series with us. But uh, let's get into this. Breaking points. When is the last time that you hit a breaking point? Uh, For me... It was relatively recently, I hit a breaking point during a project. I was attempting to finish my basement, mostly by myself. I brought a little picture here of the project and you might be thinking, wow, Aaron, I didn't know you were so handy. Well, that's part of the problem, okay? That was a contributor to the breaking point. And so in this project, I just, I got to a point where I was just done and it actually wasn't when I had to reframe an entire wall because the studs were all crooked. And of course it was the longest wall in the basement. That actually wasn't when I hit the breaking point. And it wasn't when I had to tear out a bathtub that I had installed, including plastered it to the floor because I installed it two inches too close to the toilet. Plumbing codes, I mean, who knew, right? (laughs) Actually it wasn't then that I hit the breaking point either. The breaking point happened near the very end of the project. We were so close to being done after months and months, that's when it happened. So here's what happened. It was a Friday and I was actually at the dentist, okay? So I'm sitting in the chair, getting my teeth cleaned. The hygienist steps out of the room for a second. So I check my phone, I grab my phone and there are about 400 texts and phone calls all from my wife, Katie. The basement is flooding. What do I do? And it's a total freak out moment. And then the hygienist comes back in and starts cleaning my teeth again. And I'm just stuck in the chair for like the longest 30 minutes of my life. And then I race home and I find all my tools and like all the building supplies out in the yard, soaked. My precious DeWalt batteries fried. And sure enough, down in the basement, I mean, a lot of water. I mean, this was bad. I'm talking about a lot of damage. We had to call in one of those restoration crews. You know what I'm talking about? That's not cheap, okay? And that was not in the renovation budget. And I just, I hit a breaking point. I was so ready to be done with this project. And, and you might be thinking like, well, how did it happen? And that's really where I hit the breaking point. Because I don't know. Well, okay, that's not entirely true. I I know how it happened. I just don't know who did it because there was evidence. The sump pump was unplugged and our garden hose outside was running full blast for who knows how many days, basically right into the window well. So I saw the evidence. I just don't know who did it. And my initial thought was my kids are the worst. They flooded my brand new basement. And then I thought, no, it was the neighbor kids. They're always over at our house. They're jumping on the trampoline. I've seen them out there drinking from our hose. The neighbor kids, they flooded my brand new basement. No, wait, it was the drywall crew. 
because they unplugged that sump pump and they plugged in their power tools and I saw them rinsing their buckets with my hose. The drywall crew ruined. They flooded my brand new basement. Nobody ever confessed. I still don't know who actually did it, but if you're watching, <laughs> I am working on forgiving you. So I just, I mean, I hit a breaking point. I was so ready to be done. This was a major backward step, very expensive. So that's me. What about you? When's the last time that you hit a breaking point? So in this series, uh, over the next uh, five weekends, including this one, we're going to be exploring five different characters from the scriptures who experienced a breaking point. And you might just find this weirdly reassuring that some of the heroes of our faith, like spiritual giants in the Bible, hit a point in their life where they just emotionally totally melted down. And so part of what I'm hoping for in this series, honestly, is just, hey, this sort of thing happens to the best of us. And today we're going to be looking at a story of a guy named Moses. Uh, he, he enters the story way back at the beginning of the Old Testament. And what happens is God calls this guy to be the leader of his people, to lead them out of slavery in Egypt. So here's the map. God calls him to head down to Egypt, and he is going to go with his brother, Aaron, who I might just say sounds like a fantastic dude. Anyway, uh, so they go down to Egypt, and you know the story, to deliver those famous words to Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, the first thing you got to know about Moses, just a picture here, is just fantastic hair. I mean, look at that. If I could, no, okay, that's not important at all. But God calls him, sends him and his brother down to Egypt. They meet with the elders of the people of Israel, those leaders of the people. They're, they're so moved by God's compassion and his promise to deliver them out of slavery. And so then Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh, they deliver those words, let my people go. And that's when things start to fall apart. That's when things really don't go the way that Moses thinks they're supposed to go, and Moses is going to hit a breaking point. So that's the story that we're going to explore today. But again, what about you? When's the last time that you hit a breaking point? And the thing is, there are breaking points like the story I told, where you look back on them, you know, after some time, and, and it's like, okay, that's a good story, it's funny. And then there are breaking points that you experience that just no amount of time, no amount of distance is ever going to make it funny. And for some of you, I just know that a couple years ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was, there was a time in your life where this, the train came off the tracks. I mean, it was ugly, it was painful, and you're still dealing with the wreckage of that time. Others of you, breaking point, you're going, yeah, I think I'm in one. I'm just so overwhelmed, I'm so stressed, I'm asking myself, can I keep going? And maybe it's money, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's just unbelievable stress at work, maybe it's your mental health. My guess is it's a combination of these things because usually when we hit a breaking point, it's like a convergence, a pileup of crises. And others of you would go, yeah, you know, I've had some pretty bad days. I've had some bad weeks, but a true breaking point? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've experienced that. Can I tell you something? You will. 
you will hit a breaking point. We all do. I mean, just live long enough on this broken planet and you will hit a breaking point. So whether you were there, are there right now, or will be there someday, I, I believe this series could be powerful for you. And so we're going to explore this story of Moses today, and uh, we're going to bump into some important lessons on how we can navigate breaking points. And perhaps more importantly, we're going to discover some ways that all of us can prepare, that we can get ready for the breaking points that we will experience in life. So it's a three-part story today as we explore this story of Moses, and uh, part one, I'm just calling expectations. And uh, Excuse me. If you've got your own uh, Bible, you can follow along. Uh, Exodus, second book of the Bible, chapter 5, is where we are going to begin. And so Moses, he goes down to Egypt with his brother, and uh, where we're picking up is this conversation with Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. So they deliver the message. Here's Pharaoh's response. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Moses uh, delivers the message. Pharaoh's like, I don't know this God that you're talking about. And frankly, I don't care. And this is, this is Pharaoh's free labor source. He's not about to let them go. And so he's like, no, forget about it. And and so what happens is that the Israelites, not only do they not get freed from slavery, their slavery actually gets worse. It gets harsher because this is what happens next. Verse six, that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. This is bad. Because not only do these Israelites who are slaves, by the way, have to work hard all day, They have to now go find their own straw. They're scrambling all over Egypt to gather enough straw. And it's really impossible. There's no way. They cannot meet the quotas. And when they inevitably fail to meet the quotas, what happens is the slave drivers start beating them. They start beating them up. Now, these Israelites, they are used to showing up at home tired and dirty after a long days of work, but they are not used to showing up bloodied and bruised. This situation has gone from bad to worse. And so what they do is they send representatives to Pharaoh and just, you know, hey, you got to let up here. We want to work, but you got to give us the straw. And Pharaoh says, you're lazy. That's the problem. And he commands them to get back to work. Now, you'd think that the people would be mad, that they'd be upset with Pharaoh, but they're not upset with Pharaoh. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and you have put a sword in their hands to kill us. 
No, the people aren't upset with Pharaoh. The people are upset with Moses. This is your fault, Moses. Ever since you showed up, things have gotten worse. Wow, that backfired. So let's get this right. Let's get this right. God calls Moses, okay. Moses obeys God. He goes. God tells Moses what to say. Moses says to Pharaoh what God told him to say, and the whole thing backfires. It all goes wrong. This doesn't seem right, does it? Now, I think there's something really important here that we need to talk about, about expectations. Because I think we often, as Christians, fall into this temptation where we're tempted to believe that just because you follow God, just because you obey God, then he will bless you. It's like, if, if I follow God, then I will be hashtag blessed. If I follow God, then he's gonna bless me with good health. He's gonna bless me with financial uh, success, business success. If I obey God, I'm gonna experience love in my life, have children, you know, all these things, I will be hashtag blessed. But my friends, that is not always true. In fact, I believe that that's a lie to equate obedience with, you know, blessing in this life. Because the reality is some of the most committed Jesus followers that I know, they, they've been fired from their jobs. Some of the most committed Jesus followers I know are in a difficult marriage. Some of the people in my life that are like all chips in the middle on Jesus, like all in on Jesus, so committed to Jesus, they, they battle anxiety. They have cancer. They've lost somebody that they love. I mean, the truth is, very committed Jesus followers, people who are, are, are very much focused on obeying God sometimes go through very difficult things. They experience pain and they suffer. And so let's talk about expectations. I just believe that as Jesus followers, we should expect to hit breaking points because we live in a broken world that is full of pain and sadness and hardship. And my friends, there is nowhere in the Bible that I see where Jesus followers are promised that life will be easy and everything is gonna go our way, problem free. I just don't see that promise in the scriptures. In fact, the promise that I do see from Jesus is you will have trouble. You will experience suffering. And I just think this is important for us to recognize because often what happens for Christians is you get into a breaking point. Life gets really hard, you are in pain, you are suffering, and you just go, God, why? How could you let this happen to me? God, I thought you cared about me, I thought you loved me, and if you do, then why are you letting me go through this? And the truth is, he does love you, and he is with you, he just never promised that life was gonna be easy and trouble-free. 
And so expectations for breaking points, they're normal. You will experience them. Now, if you're like me, there's still a part of you that just kind of goes, okay, so God, I follow you, I try to obey you, and yet these bad things still happen to me. There's just a part of me that goes, yeah, thanks a lot, God. (laughs) I mean, do you ever have that thought? And if you do, you're not alone, because Moses had the very same thought. So part two of our story today is about honesty. So things don't go the way Moses thinks they're going to go. The people are mad at him. Pharaoh's just not having it. And here we go, verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? He's confused. He's frustrated. I think he's a little angry, and he's just getting started. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. It's like, I kept my end of the deal, God. Where are you? God, you ain't rescued nobody. And right about now, you're going like, whoa, Moses, easy, right? Like, I'm pretty sure you can't talk to God that way. This is when the lightning comes. Somebody is going to get smited, Smote, smited, I don't know, one of those. Can you talk that way to God? There's an interesting thing about this story is I don't see any evidence of God getting upset with Moses. And there are no indications that Moses is doing anything wrong here. And that might surprise you. But what's happening here, I believe, is that Moses is actually modeling for us something that we will need in order to navigate the breaking points of life. And that is honesty with God. Expressing emotional honesty directly to God. Moses is frustrated, he's disappointed, he's, he's confused and he's angry and he just goes to God with it. And I believe that if we are going to navigate the breaking points of life with with any kind of wholeness in terms of our emotions and and health in terms of our spirituality, we are going to have to learn how to do this. And it's a bit uncomfortable, I know. So let's let's just take a second and, and talk about what this is and what it isn't. Let's talk about what Moses doesn't do in this situation. First thing is is Moses does not complain about God. He doesn't pull his brother Aaron aside and go, listen, this God, I mean, can you believe this God? He calls us down here. He tells us to say this thing. Everything goes sideways. I mean, can you believe this God? No, he doesn't complain about God. Actually, he complains to God. That's the first thing. Second thing, Moses doesn't pretend. And I think we're good at this one. It's like everything is going wrong. The people are against him. Pharaoh says, no way. And what Moses doesn't do is, I'm fine. (laughs) You're fine. Everything's fine. I'm just too blessed to stress. No, he's honest. He doesn't pretend that everything's okay. He just goes to God and says, I'm not okay with this. Now, thirdly, and this is the one that I would fall into the most, he doesn't distance himself from God. It's like, God, I'm mad at you, and I'm not talking to you right now. So just, no, he, he goes right to God with his frustration. And then fourthly, Moses doesn't quit. 
It's like, okay, fine, God, if that's how it's going to be, then find somebody else. I am out, I quit. No, he doesn't quit. He leans in. So as we talk about what does it mean to express yourself honestly in terms of your emotions directly to God, it's none of those things. What Moses does in this story is he takes his frustration, his discouragement, his disappointment, his anger, his confusion, and he goes directly to God with it. And he verbalizes it to God. And my friends, I believe that this is both emotionally and spiritually healthy. I believe that having the ability, the willingness to do this in your relationship with God is actually a sign of spiritual maturity. It's, I think, an important skill that we have to get comfortable with if we're gonna navigate the breaking points of life. Emotional honesty with God. And we will see this, we'll bump into this in pretty much every story that we look at in this series. Because emotional honesty with God, it is modeled for us throughout the scriptures. And it's part of this very important practice called lament. And lament is an important aspect of of worship in the Bible. And we see it most vividly in the book of Psalms. So the Psalms were like Israel's book of poetry, their, their worship book. And the beautiful thing about the Psalms is they model for us, they give us a template for how to engage God in pretty much every kind of emotional space that you will find yourself in life, including when you're just all sorts of emotionally messed up. And so we find lament Psalms. And so let me show you one of these. I think this would be really helpful. It's uh, Psalm 22. Some of you are gonna recognize these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. The writer of this psalm is not in a good place. He's struggling. He's like, God, where are you? Why have you left me? And the Psalms model for us how to engage God when we're in that kind of emotional space. And do you know who borrowed the words of that Psalm in their own breaking point? Do you know who quoted that Psalm? Jesus. When he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was borrowing language from a lament Psalm Because as Jesus was on that cross, what happened is he took on our sin. He bore your sin and my sin so that he could provide forgiveness and restoration. And because he took that on, his father turned his back on him. He abandoned him in that moment. And so not only did Jesus feel the weight of, well, just feel excruciating pain of being on that cross, but also he felt the emotional pain of separation from his father. And in that space, he was emotionally honest with God. Why have you forsaken me? You see, if we're gonna get through 
the breaking points of life with a whole heart and a healthy spirituality, we're going we're gonna to have to learn how to do this. We're going to have to get comfortable with laments. And so let me ask you a question. Where do you need to be emotionally honest with God? What, what do you need to lament? And maybe it's just a lost opportunity. You didn't get the job. You didn't get into the school. She said no. Or you're just beginning to realize and come to terms with the, you're not going to be able to have children. And it's just so disappointing. And do you need to bring that disappointment and express that to your God? Maybe it's your health. I mean, other people your age, they're strong, they're healthy, they're traveling, they're obsessed with pickleball. <laughs> but not you. No, you're struggling. And you're frustrated because... You know you're not supposed to think like this, but it's like, okay, God, I, I have tried to follow you faithfully pretty much my whole life, and here I am dealing with all these chronic issues, and it's just frustrating. And so do you need to take that frustration and express that to God? Maybe it's just the news. It's like hurricane, wildfire, war, hate, and it's just overwhelming, and it's also confusing. It's like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you need to take that confusion and express it to God? God, I don't understand this. Where are you? Where do you need to be emotionally honest with God? What, what do you need to lament? I'm telling you, we will need this skill if we're going to navigate the breaking points of life. And yeah, I do understand that some of us are just going, I'm just not all that comfortable with this. Because we're talking about the almighty creator, the righteous judge. And if you're asking me to express anger, especially directly to God, I'm just, I'm just not sure that he's not going to get mad. Okay. Well, let's look at how God responds to Moses. Because remember, Moses just flipped out and he accused God. God, you haven't rescued nobody. So how does God respond to Moses? All right, third part of our story, uh, remember. So the beginning of chapter six of Exodus, God responds to Moses and this outburst that he has. And most, essentially what God does is he says, uh, Moses, I need you to remember something. I promised you and, and I promised your people that I would rescue them from slavery and that I would bring them to this land that I have promised them. I promised to do it and I will do it. It's like he's saying to Moses, look, I said I would do it and I'm gonna do it. And then he says, so go back to the elders of Israel and remind them of my promise. And after that, go back to Pharaoh and reiterate those words, let my people go. And so Moses does. And he goes back to the leaders of Israel and this is what happens. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. They also are at a breaking point. And they, they're just in space where they can't even hear him. They can't even listen to him. Okay, so that doesn't go so well. What about going back to Pharaoh? Well, but Moses said to the Lord, 
if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? Moses is doubting his own ability to speak. He's doubting God. I mean, things are falling apart. I think he's just going, what's the point? I mean, this isn't gonna work. What's the point? And so Moses now is really at a breaking point. And so the question is, what's God gonna do to lift up his servant leader? What is God gonna do to get him moving again so that he can get his people out of slavery? And this is where God breaks out his secret weapon. This is where we bump into the secret sauce. What happens next in this story, you're just not ready for it. I'll just tell you that right now. Verse 14, this is what we find next in the story. These were the heads of the families. What? These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, and Levi lived 137 years. The sons of Gershon by clan were Libni and Shimei, and the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, and Kohath lived for 133 years. And the sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. I just know somewhere out there, there's a couple that's about to have twins, haven't settled on the name yet. You're welcome. These were the clans of Levi, according to their records. Amram married his, wife, his, his father's sister, Jehoiabed, who bore him Amram and Moses, and Amram lived 137 years. And it just goes on like this and on like this. It's a genealogy. I mean, right here in the story, Moses is falling apart. Pharaoh's taking away the straw. The people won't even listen. Moses is at a breaking point, and he gets a genealogy? I mean, what is this? Is this what God does when he gets mad? It's like, oh, you want to question me? Okay, fine. Well, now you're going to have to listen to a very long genealogy of he begat him and they begat that and on and on. Is that what God, no. Okay, there, there are good reasons, deep and important reasons why this falls right here in the story. So what are they? A couple details. First off, did you notice the names? Whose names are in that genealogy? Moses and Aaron. They... These two brothers are being connected back. It's tracing their lineage back to this family that God made this promise to, the family of Jacob, whose, God na whose name God changed to Israel. It's like Moses is being connected to the promise of God. So there's the names. And then there's also the ages. What's up with all these ages? Amram lived 137 years and Kohath lived 133 years and on and on and on. What's up with all the ages? Well, if you start adding up these ages, you quickly get into hundreds of years. And so I think what's happening here is it's like God is saying to Moses, I need you to remember something. I made a promise, not just to you, but to your ancestors, and I intend to keep it. And secondly, Moses, I need you to remember that I didn't start working on this project yesterday. I have been at work here for hundreds of years, for generations. You see, Moses is like thinking in hours, in days, and he's in this crisis, and he has this very limited perspective, and it's like God is going, I have been at work in decades and in centuries. And what's happening here is God 
forces Moses to remember. It's like Moses, his limited perspective on the pain that he's in right now is being widened out and he's getting a glimpse of God's greater perspective. And because of that, his entire experience is being reframed. And God will use this to move him forward. And he's gonna go back to Pharaoh and God's gonna move in a powerful way because God was at work before Moses, he's at work in Moses, and he's gonna be working long after Moses is gone. And my friends, it's not just Moses who needs to hear this. Because whatever you are going through in your life right now, we, we just need to understand that God was at work before you he is at work in you and around you, and he will be at work long after you're gone. This breaking point that you are in is part of a larger story that God is telling. The story of what God is doing in this world and in history, his great redemption project, the restoration of all things through his son, Jesus Christ. And so God is at work in your life. He was at work in your life. He will be at work in your life. Moses needed to be reminded, and so do we. And the question is, well, I guess the problem is that we just can't see that when we're in the pain, when we're in the breaking point. We get, we get zeroed in on the trouble that we're in. And so how can you get that greater glimpse of God's perspective? In other words, what is going to remind you? What will remind you when you need to remember? This is a really important question. What will remind you so that you can navigate this breaking point with God's perspective? And my answer to that question is this book. God has spoken. God has revealed himself. What God did for Moses is he said, look, this is who I am, this is what I'm like, this is what I've done, and this is what I promised to do. That's what God communicates through this book, his revealed word. And I just believe that one of the best ways that you can prepare for a breaking point is to get the words of this book into your mind and into your heart before you ever reach a breaking point. Because when you're in the breaking point, it's like, okay, where's my Bible? I need to, you know, no, you need that in you. I just believe that people who have a habit of engaging the scriptures and inviting God to speak to them and reveal himself, that they are more resilient when they go through breaking points. Not because they're tougher people, but because God's word is powerful in reframing the way that we think about our experiences. So just a challenge. Do you have a habit of engaging the scriptures? Do you have a habit of inviting God to remind you of who he is, what he is like, what he has done, and what he promises to do? And if you do have a habit there, I just wanna encourage you, stick with it. It's so valuable, especially when we talk about the breaking points of life. And if you don't, I just challenge you, start that habit or restart that habit. And if you need a place to start, we have a resource called Beyond the Weekend. 
It's a devotional. Our staff writes it. It's connected to our weekend sermons. You can get it emailed right to your inbox. It's Monday to Friday. It doesn't take two hours to do. You know, it's relatively short, but it's a great place to start. Because in order to navigate the breaking points of life, you will need to remember that God has been at work. He is at work and will continue to be at work. Something to pull you out of your limited perspective and reframe your experience. So as we wrap up today, I just want to give you some space uh, to, to reflect and to respond. And so I want to call out our worship leaders in all of our environments um, I, I just know that some of you, this, this series is not some theoretical thing. Oh, it's great that we're talking about breaking points. No, you're in one. You are in a breaking point, and you need hope, and you need help. And I pray that this series provides that, that God meets you in this series. But I just want to give you an opportunity to, to reflect and respond through a song. And we chose this song very intentionally. It's called Waymaker. And, and the words of this song, in the bridge, I love the words of this song. It's like, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And it's just this reminder that God is at work in your story, even if it doesn't feel like it. And I know that some of you just, based on what you're experiencing, you, you will not be able to sing the words of this song. It, you just, I, I mean, I've been there. Just things that you go through and you're like, I cannot sing this. Let the words just encourage you and challenge you. Others of you, you need to sing this song and you need to sing it loud and you need to get your hands in the air and you just need to express, you just need to believe that God is at work in your story. And so let me just invite you to respond and reflect through this last song.